over 30 years, I served the local church as a pastor. And oftentimes I would get asked the question about the Bible and how to study the Bible. People would say to me things like, you know, I try to read the Bible, but I just get so frustrated. I just don't understand it. If that's you, you're not alone. Welcome to Understanding Scripture with Dr. J Podcast. My name is Jimmy, and I'm your host on this journey. Bible reading for most people would mean, you know, just another box to check off about their spirituality. Every January, they would they would decide that they're going to read the Bible through in this year, and they just begin to check it, check off the box. But here's how I would like to encourage people to read the Bible. Don't worry about checking off boxes, but just read until you learn something. So I would tell people that the Bible is not meant to be read in one continuum from Genesis to Revelation. I would remind them that between Abraham and David was about 2,000 years. Between David and Jesus is 1,000 years. Between Jesus and today is over 2,000 years. And then I would hold a Bible for them, and I would take their, or even take their Bible, and I would, I would go to Malachi, and I would turn to Matthew, and I would show them those blank pages in between Malachi and Matthew. And I would tell them that those blank pages represent somewhere between 400 and 450 years of history. That's longer than the United States has been in existence. And just think about uh, how much U.S. history has changed over the years. So when you begin to read the Bible, my friends at the Center for Holy Land Studies teach that in order to understand Scripture, you just don't pick up a Bible and begin to read it, whether it's Genesis or Joshua or Hosea or John or James or Hebrews, and try to interpret that passage of Scripture within our current culture, our current history, our geography, and spirituality. You and I must enter into the specific time, place, and culture of the time in that particular passage that you are studying in order to begin to understand what it is being written. Every passage in the Bible has at least four foundational principles you have to consider if you want to properly understand the passage you're reading. You have to understand culture, the accepted values of that time, history, which is the Bible as God's revelation in a specific time and place, land or geography, which helps to shape the narrative of the scripture. And then spirituality, which is a challenge for all of us because we tend to approach scripture with our own spirituality. So today I want to focus in on just one of those dynamics, and I want to look at history a little bit. Again, the historical is God's revelation, not only in space, but in time. As a matter of fact, Paul says, in the fullness of time. That's not just a random statement that was made from Paul. When you and I engage in our Bible, there are a lot of things that are taking place in and around the text that we might not be aware. Historical context is a hidden reality within the text that you begin to read. There's always something historical going on with the text that you're reading. So when I talk about the historical context, that can include many things. It can, it can include the politics of the day, the economy that's taking place, or the social issues, or all three of those, or even, even more. So why is history so important, and what role did, does history play in reading and understanding the Bible? 
I mean, Jimmy, I just want to, I just want to jump in and begin to read Matthew or Mark or Luke and just begin to read the Bible. But I, I just want to say to you, unless you understand the the historical perspective, it becomes difficult for you to understand the Bible. History provides context, and context provides meaning for us. So, if I were to write in my journal, so my so my could, my kids could read it and. And I would put down today's date and I would write something like, you know, I felt impressed today to phone some friends and and I, I invite my friends to to meet me in the park for a picnic in the middle of this catastrophic event. And then a hundred years from now, someone reads my journal. The historian would have to do research to discover that the catastrophic event that I was talking about was COVID-19. The historian would know that then that my simple act of asking some friends over for to, to have a picnic in the park would have actually been a violation of the law. The historian would have would have said, well, uh, they would have deduced that from from all of that, some of the descriptors they would have had for me probably would have been like radical or rebel or defiant because historical context changes how you view the story that you are reading the people, the environment that's taking place around. Although the Bible is not a history book, it does contain an interaction with historical events that are taking place. So let me give you an example. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is calling his disciples. And one of the persons that Jesus calls as his disciple is Simon the Zealot. Now, you may be reading that, and, and you've just picked up your Bible, and you're reading, and you're thinking, you know what, that big deal. I mean, he picked a zealot. I mean, the, at least he's got somebody on the team with a lot of zeal. But if you were to sit down and look at the zealot movement, which was taking place in the Galilee and continued w- uh, with his son Judah, you would discover that that the zealots had a bad reputation and notoriety, which had been building up for for several several years. So, if you were to look at the ideology and the principles that zealots operated on over the years, what you would discover is that one of their ideologies was that we pay taxes to no one but God. So Jesus calls Simon. Simon is associated with this this zealot group, hence his name, Simon the Zealot. So now when you read in Matthew 10 that Simon is with the disciples, and you read about this in Matthew 10 being with Matthew, who was was a tax collector, and the job of the tax collector was to collect taxes for Rome, now, now remember, Simon was a zealot who did not believe that that the their ideology was we do not pay taxes to anyone but God. So when now when you see in Matthew ten these two men together and know some history behind this, you realize the type of influence that Jesus had on the lives around him. Jesus wasn't just teaching the kingdom of heaven; he was living the kingdom of heaven. And without a knowledge of the historical context, we just read the Bible and and we do not realize that Jesus brought people in from the most diverse backgrounds and they survived together. Now, Matthew doesn't put in a verse 
in the Bible and says, listen, to all you modern-day Bible readers, let me tell you about zealots and, and, and tax collectors and that historically they don't get along. Matthew assumes you know what's taking place, and in our haste to, ch- to perhaps check off the box so that we can say, yeah, I've read, I've read the, uh, uh, a portion of the Scripture today, and we don't take a moment and stop and investigate the historical background and the context of the Bible, we miss some important pieces that the writer is wanting you and me to catch. So let me, let me give you another example. I, people say, why do I need to understand the historical aspect of the Bible? Why, why is that important to me? And while this isn't a histor, uh, histor, history lesson, I, I do want to help you understand why knowing some history helps you understand the Bible. So let's talk about Pontius Pilate. Perhaps in your quest to read the Bible through in a year, you pick up the Bible and you begin to read and and you're reading along in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, and you come across this figure, and you read about this man called Pontius Pilate. And so you really don't have a historical framework about him. Writers of the gospel don't put into one of their writings a chapter that says to us, now here's how Pilate came into power, and here's what you need to know about Pontius Pilate. The writer assumes that you know the historical context of the passage that you are studying. So remember, how did Rome and Pilate come come to Judea? How how did this take place? Now, this is a brief timeline, and and this might help for you to see all of this, but, but let me just go back briefly and talk to you. Remember, Malachi to Matthew, there's 400 to 450 years. The province of Judah was part of the of Judea was part of the Persian Empire. In 333 BC, a young Macedonian king that we know as Alexander the Great conquers the Persian Empire and brings the land of Israel into the Macedonian Empire. Ten years later, in 323 BC, 323 BC, Alexander the Great dies in Babylon. His kingdom is going to be divided among his generals. And what we know from the, in this brief timeline is that from 142 to 83 BC, approximately 80 years, there's a Jewish uprising that was led by a priestly family known as the Hasmoneans. And they're, they're, the Israel is going to gain a period of autonomous Jewish reign. This is spoke of, spoken of, this time frame, this 80 years, as the Hasmonean dynasty. In 63 BC, a civil war takes place between two of the Hasmonean brothers. Rome, who had a relationship with the Hasmonean dynasty, decides, you know what? It's in our best interest that we take more control of the land of Israel. In 63 BC, a Roman general named Pompey is going to to come to Jerusalem. He will continue to try to rule by allowing the Hasmoneans to, to remain in power, which doesn't work very well. And so through a series of events, a Jew, a Jew whose grandfather converted, converted to Judaism by the name of Herod is going to, to come into power. Herod will remain in power until 4 BC. This is the same Herod that we read about in Matthew chapter 2 when he's killing the one that kills innocent babies. Herod's kingdom then, when he dies, will be divided by Emperor Augustus between his three sons, Herod's three sons. 
One of his sons, Archelaus, has given basically the coastal area south of Mount Carmel, the central hill country, down to the biblical Negev. This is the same Archelaus that is also mentioned in Matthew 2. Archelaus is, is the Herod in power when Joseph and Mary and Jesus return from Egypt. Archelaus tries to be brutal like his father, but he's not as smart as his father. So in AD 6, a Jewish delegation goes to Rome, and when they get to Rome, the Jewish delegation tells Rome that they want Archelaus out. Rome is happy to honor their request, and Archelaus is exiled. And at, the, at this time, Archelaus's territory is now going to be brought under the rule of a Roman uh, prefect, which is like a governor, who is, and the most famous prefect is, is Pontius Pilate. That's how Pilate comes into power. And that's how Rome gains control of Judea. And we, we don't know much about the prefect prior to Pontius Pilate, but what we do know is that he gets rid of the high priest and eventually appoints Caiaphas, the same one that you read about in the Gospels, that is connected to the crucifixion of Jesus. And history suggests that Pilate's tenure and Caiaphas's tenure as high priest run parallel to one another which explains a whole lot of what we see taking place between these two in the Gospels, and in particular, the crucifixion of Jesus. They come to support one another and protect each other's power and interest. And we don't have the time to, to get into the, into the, the, the depths of, of how history plays uh, uh, and uh, has an effect on understanding the Bible. What I would recommend for you to do is, is to read a couple of resources. Now, this isn't easy reading. This is, this, is, this is not for the faint of art. But one of the, the works that you begin to read is Josephus, who tells us about the, the history of that time period of, of Jesus. And he, particularly his Jewish wars or antiquities of Jews, and begin to read, read his works. Now, don't get bogged down in the details. Just read it, and you'll, you'll have to read it several times over the course of your, your lifespan. But as you begin to read it, you retain more and more. Another book to read is a book called The Book of the Maccabees, which is an apocrypha book, which sheds light historically for the 400 to 450 years in that intertestamental period between the Old Testament, Malachi, and the New Testament, Matthew. And then the third resource would be a concise history of ancient Israel by Bernd Schipper, B-E-R-N-D-S-C-H-I-P-P-E-R, a concise history of ancient Israel. This book covers a historical period from the entrance into the promised land up until the Greek period right before the Roman period. Those three resources will help you get a, uh, some handles on the history that's taking place in the Bible. If you're one of those persons that are frustrated when you read the Bible because you don't understand it, the more you can gain an understanding of the history of the Bible, the more you will gain an understanding of Scripture. Thank you for joining me today on this podcast of Understanding Scripture with Dr. J. I hope you've gleaned something from our time together, and my prayer for you is that God would enlighten your understanding as you begin to journey towards developing a better understanding of God's Word.